0: on media this is coming out stories it's a podcast about one of the most important conversations of your life i'm emma goswell you're now going to hear from eric marcus he's an lgbt historian he's the author of making gay history we actually recorded this interview right outside the stonewall inn in new york so you may hear a few car horns beeping in the background I
1: remember the first time I recognized myself. I just remember feeling uh, growing up that I lived behind a thick glass wall that that I, that i, uh, I didn 't understand what other boys were experiencing when the kids the boys in camp wanted to go on raids of girls' bunks. I thought, why would you get get up in the middle of the night to do that <laughs> um, and there was made such a big deal of, of wanting to kiss a girl and, and do all kinds of things with girls and I just didn 't understand so this is this is before I knew that there were people like me uh,
0: okay. um, but did you have attractions towards men? though? Yeah.
1: um, Not strong until I was... I mean, I knew what I fantasized about. I thought I'd grow out of it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. This is a long time ago. Uh, So I didn't recognize myself as a gay person until about 1974, 75, when I was in my dentist's office in Kew Gardens, Queens, waiting for my appointment. And I picked up a copy of Reader's Digest. And there was an excerpt from a book, it was a condensed version of a book called Consenting Adult by an author named Laura Z. Hobson. It's a book about a mother coming to terms with her son's homosexuality. And I'm reading this book and I get to the part where this, I think he's a college student where he's a, a, a finishing up high school and he's at a lunch counter and he sees this guy and he gets picked up at the lunch counter. I'm thinking, oh my God, oh my God that's me, and that's what I want. But I kept hoping that the receptionist wouldn't call me for the dentist. Uh, so the receptionist was my classmate Jane Bloom's mother. I mean, it's a small neighborhood in Queens, so everybody knew everybody. And I was able to re- uh, sit there and read long enough to get through the, through the excerpt from the book. But it really wasn't until July 31st, 1976, that I actually said to myself, I'm gay. And that was the first night I spent with another man. And it was the first time I felt normal in my life. It was so <laughs> memorable that I remember the date. And um, it it's happened not to...
0: not many people that know the exact day, but I do as well. You do. But Because it's, it's so important to you, isn't it?
1: It is. And yeah. I remember when I marked the first anniversary of... Uh, and that's how I marked my, my first coming out to myself. When I marked the 40th anniversary, I thought, how could it be so long ago? Because it seems like it was... It feels like it was yesterday. So I know that, that trauma embeds itself in your brain in a, in a way different from other things. This was the complete opposite of, of just coming to a, a sense of, of who I was. But it was then, it was about four years before I said to myself again and acknowledged this is who I am. And this is how it's going to be. I had boyfriends in between those those years, but it was a real struggle to come to terms with who I was because it wasn't what I wanted. And, and I lived in a world, grew up in a world, where it was such a negative thing. So um, I remember having a good cry at 21.
0: Why did you feel that it was going to be so difficult to come out? You know, People think of New York as being a fairly tolerant city in the 70s, was it not?
1: I, I grew up in the Iowa of New York, 16 miles east of Manhattan. I didn't see Greenwich Village until... I had graduated from high school. So we came to Manhattan twice a year. So it was a completely different different world out there. I lived in a, in a really small Jewish community, I'm quite isolated. My parents were oddballs, they were beatniks, and uh, my mother had an Indian guru. But still, we didn't know gay people, so I, didn't know about, I just didn't know about those things. The way the world looked at, at homosexuals, gay people, in the nineteen seventies was really negative, and I remember reading everything you want to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask, and it had a little section on homosexuals, and it said that gay men could expect to, to lead lives of furtive sex and in shrubs and never have real relationships, and all I wanted was a real relationship, and. If not the suburbs, well in those days I wanted to live in the suburbs and have a picket fence and have children. And I I didn't imagine spending my life in the shrubs looking to hand out candy to to kids and trying to lure lure them in for I don't know what because I wasn't interested in kids.
0: But that really was how gay men in particular were portrayed in the 70s, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, six, you know, six sinful, um, perverted. It was just, it was. It's not who I was. I was a good kid. I did everything right. I got good grades. I didn't drink. I didn't take drugs. But I was a homosexual, so I knew I would be a, an enormous disappointment to my family.
0: And I'm guessing you weren't, but I'm guessing you did come out to them eventually. Yeah, I did.
1: I mean, and it's such a long process. You know, coming out at, for anyone who's who's spent time coming out, it, yeah. you come out over and over and over again, and it took time. Uh, one by one, with my family, I remember my grandmother cried for three days. Um, but then she became one of my biggest fans. And I took her to speaking events and she loved gay people.
0: Well, you made her get up and do what at speaking events?
1: Well, I would, intro- of course, introduce her in the audience. She came with me just to- because we love to travel together. Oh. In fact, I- when she was 89, I took her to Paris. In 90, we went to London for the first time. She came over on a boat from Poland when she was six years old in 1909. So she grew up in a very different world, but she loved me. When she read my book, the original edition, which was called Making History, the second one was Making Gay History, when she read that book, which was oral histories of gay people, she said, now I understand, you just want the same things everybody else does. You want to be loved and you want to have love in your life. I said, yes, Grandma, that was exactly it. So in later years when I would go to weddings, she would always assume that I was going to weddings with two boys or two girls. I was surprised when I went to straight weddings. And she, she came to, uh, I've been with my partner for, for uh, nearly 25 years now. We had a commitment ceremony 22 years ago. And she came to our commitment ceremony and spoke at the ceremony and was just, she couldn't have embraced us more warmly. But it took time. It took my mother, thir- my mother 13 years to come around.
0: So you, your grandmother took it the best then out of everybody, by the sounds of it. Um,
1: my, brother took, my brother and sister took it the best, um, but my grandmother took it better than my mother took it, yeah. So
0: what happened, what was that conversation like with your mother?
1: That was horrible. That was awful. I was 18. I was really depressed. Um, I was depressed about being gay. Also, my father had killed himself six years before, and I think I was still struggling with that. Yeah. I think I'd been dropping hints to my mother. That was the era of Anita Bryant, who led a, a national campaign against gay people. It was called the Save Our Children campaign, and I remember being outraged and saying things about it to my mother um, and pointing it out in Time magazine. And I think I hoped she would figure it out. So it was summer of 1977, and I was going to visit a friend of mine. And she said, "How's he doing?" I said, "He's kind of depressed." I said, uh, and she said, "Well, why?" I said, "She said, well, he he might be, might be gay. He thinks he might be gay." And she said oh my God, and all the blood rushed out of her face, and she said, maybe you are too. And I said, and I did everything wrong. I said, Ma, I'll see you later. And I left, and I went to my friend's house, and I said, my mother thinks I'm gay. What am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? So when I went home, I turned off the car going down the driveway. I crept into the house and crawled up the stairs, hoping she wouldn't hear me. And of course she heard me, and she said, I I would like to talk to you. And she said, are you gay? And I said, yes. And I said to her, do you feel guilty? She said, no, I'm disappointed. And, you know, a lot of people say their parents cry when they come out. I cried. And the next thing my mother said was, I'm worried you'll never have a happy relationship. To which I said, what about you and dad? Because my parents had a horrible marriage and they separated and it didn't end well. And she got very angry at me for saying that. She asked me to see a psychiatrist. I told her I would go if she went to to PFLAG, Parents, Friends, and Families of Lesbians and Gays. It's a support group for parents. She said no. I said no. We were both very stubborn people. And I really would have benefited from seeing a therapist then because I was depressed. And I found out years later that she wanted me to see a therapist, not because she wanted me to change. She really didn't even understand gay people, but that wasn't in her mind. She was afraid that I would kill myself like my father. So my mom became a big activist. Um, flash forward years later, I had a meeting with a city councilman here in New York City, who was then the chair of the Education Committee of the City Council, to talk about a project to include LGBT history into the American history curriculum. And I brought my history book with me, and I put it down on his desk and said, I wanted him to have a copy. And he said, you know, one of the proudest things in my life is that I'm in your book. To which I said, you You are? And this was a, a councilman who had been a schoolteacher 20 years prior and had been very involved in the movement when he, a group of people tried to get him fired because he was openly gay. And he was in the book because I had interviewed somebody who spoke about him. And then he said, and you know, I knew your mother.
0: Wow. And I
1: said, how did you know my mother? She'd been dead for 14 years by that point. He said, your mom helped start the flag chapter in Queens and I was involved in starting it. I didn't know my mother was involved in starting the P-Flag chapter in Queens. She became a big activist. I have a picture of her from the 1993 March on Washington. She's got a big P-Flag sash and all the buttons. And I have to remind her sometimes, I'm the gay one.
0: And she came around, but just kind of slowly, really. She came
1: around slowly, yeah. But when she came, when she came out as a parent of a gay person, mm-hmm. she came out with rainbow flags and buttons, and she was really determined to make the, the world a better place for her gay kid. Yeah.
0: And that must have made you so happy. I was
1: very, very proud of my mother. Um, very proud.
0: She grew up, she was awesome. she grew up in
1: Brooklyn, she grew up in a, in a world very unlike the world I live in now, or we live in now. I was very proud of my mom.
0: And did you have an easy time coming out of work and in other aspects of your life?
1: The challenge for me being out when I was out was that I was a journalist. I went to graduate school and got my master's in journalism here in New York at Columbia University. I was one of two out people in my class. And I remember one of our professors warning me and my classmate, uh, we were about to do a, a short documentary on AIDS, and he warned us that we could get AIDS through the camera. I mean, I'm not even sure he was joking. This was 1984. Wow. And we were warned that we would have trouble getting work in mainstream journalism if we were out. Nobody would trust us to cover, certainly cover gay issues in a, in a uh, in an unbiased way. So, when I went to work first at ABC News for Good Morning America, which is a morning program, the guy who hired me asked me to not include on my resume that I had just finished a book called The Male Couples Guide. So he was concerned about his his ability to hire me. When I went to CBS News, they did know they knew I was gay, but I was the only out person in the morning newsroom at that time. And then when I I asked a senior executive if I wanted to pursue a career as an on-camera news person, I was told that they would never put an openly gay person on camera in 1988.
0: This is extraordinary. 1988 doesn't seem that long ago, does it?
1: It is a genera... it's generations ago at this Mm. point. And for gay people, I I think that we have... Our generations are just about 10 years, Mm. um, because things have moved so quickly. And now they've moved very quickly. But I I made a a career writing about gay people. Um, I've had a career writing books. (laughs) <laughs> a funny coming out story. My first book was about to be published, The Male Couple's Guide, about mm. how to have a relationship. And um, I wasn't out to my grandmother yet. I was out to most of the family, but but my uncle, my, mother, my grandmother's son, begged me not to tell her because he said it would kill her, it would destroy her image of me. She was 87 years old, why do this to her at that stage of life? And he said, besides which, who's going to know about your book? <laughs> so you can see where this is going to go. I said to him, I, I, I have to do this. It's also important to me to know that my grandmother will still love me, even though I'm gay. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life because I didn't want to disappoint my grandmother. We were as close as a grandmother and grandson could be. Yeah. I saw her every week. She lived in South Brooklyn. And without my dad, we were, I was my father's son. She was my father's mother. So there was a special connection yeah. with the two of us. So I was terrified of telling her. So I told her. It was very, very painful. But I'm glad I told her because the book was published. It got a lot of attention. I wound up on CNN one night on a live talk show. And it turned out that my aunt and uncle's next-door neighbors were watching CNN Newsnight Update when I was on the show, just as somebody called in to call me a faggot. And, <laughs> and the next morning, my aunt and uncle's neighbors were at the door, knocking on the door, saying, hey, we saw your nephew on the television last night and, and didn't know he was gay. Um, so <laughs> I was really glad that I told my grandmother, because once you're out and a public person And I was not really an out public person when I did that book. And I remember going on television, and one person called in to say, how can you go on television and tell people that you're gay? And I saw a clip of that interview just recently, and and I said, I have to take a deep breath before I come on television. And it surprised me because I don't remember being that fearful. But when I think back to what it felt like, It was scary. One guy called up the show and said that that gay people had their rights. He said, you have the right to be chained to my truck and dragged down a highway. He said, you have the right to serve as target practice in my backyard.
0: What? Yeah. And they let him broadcast that on national TV. They
1: did. And I think they were eager to have people like that because it was good for ratings. It was the middle of the night. Uh, I was nervous about going on um, uh, television talking about couple of relationships, nobody ever asked me about those things because the interviewers were so nervous asking me questions they didn't know, to ask, know how to ask questions of a young homosexual.
0: So you didn't even get to talk about what you are supposed to talk about anyway?
1: No, all they wanted yeah. to know was when did you know, how did your parents react and then we went to the phone calls and it was off and running uh, uh, with people calling me names.
0: Yeah, actually it just totally reminded me of something that i completely forgotten about. My auntie found out that I was gay by watching me on national television in really? the UK. Yeah, really? i completely forgotten. So I was the storyline advisor to a soap opera in the UK called Brookside. I was the lesbian storyline advisor and then I was tracked down for a documentary and I was on TV talking about the fact that I was the lesbian store line advisor, and my auntie watched it and then rang my parents and went, Saw Emma on telly last night. Oh my God. was <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> one way of coming out, though, isn't it?
1: It is a way of coming out. Yeah. But even as you've probably discovered, even when you're out, out, yeah. and I'm, I'm very publicly out with my work, yeah. not everyone knows you're gay. And so my, my partner and I were at a grocery store in upstate New York, about two hours north of New York City, and we were checking out our groceries. And the person behind the counter looked up at us and said, are you two brothers. <laughs> now,
0: what a weird thing to I, ask. I,
1: he's, he's half Viennese, half Irish and looks as Irish as anybody. He's the whitest man who's ever walked the planet. Mm. White hair, white skin, glasses. We both wear glasses. I'm Jewish from Eastern Europe, dark haired, mm. we're the same height, but we don't look anything like each other. But there was something about our relationship that suggested to her that we weren't just strangers to each other. And that to her meant brothers. She didn't think couple. And in that moment, I didn't say no we're a couple what I said was no oh and I was really mad at myself Mm. afterwards for not saying that I was gay and what happened was all of those old feelings fearful feelings intruded and all I could imagine was that if I said if I said oh no we're a couple we're gay that (laughs) that the spotlight would suddenly shine aisle four two homosexuals checking out their groceries and I got scared yeah, and I was already in my 50s by then. So yeah. that, was a, that was embarrassing.
0: But it's interesting, isn't it, though? Because every time I talk to someone about their coming out story, they say, but which one? Because actually, yes. there are so many. And that just really proves that actually you could have a different one every day. There could be moments, can't there?
1: Every day. I had this one. I used to travel a lot for my books. I would fly. I fly a lot. It's a big country. And um, invariably, the person sitting next to me would say, so what do you do? I write books. What kind of books? Nonfiction. <laughs> well, kind of nonfiction, because you know you're going to be stuck to the next to that person for six hours five hours three hours and i've only had one bad experience with well, a guy who is on a trip to la he asked me and you know we went through all the questions and i said i was going to speak about one of my books and said what well, the book was it was called is it a choice it's questions and answers about gay and lesbian people didn't say a word to me the rest of the flight and as soon as we landed he was out of his seat and off the plane so fast But there were two other experiences I had that were so profound. One, an elderly woman sat next to me, well, elderly, she's probably my age now, white hair and looked very conservative and asked me about what I did and I explained what I did. And I figured she was probably a Republican. Her son had just died from AIDS. And so we spent the whole flight talking about her kid and how much she'd loved her kid and how much she missed him. And on another flight, made the same assumption about a a woman who had a southern accent and was talking about an article in the paper and I thought she said something negative about gay people and she struck up a conversation with me and I told, her. she asked what I did and I told what I did and she said she had an eight year old son and she took out his picture to show me and she burst into tears. She said, I think my kid is gay and I don't know what to do.
0: Wow, And you advised her then?
1: I did. I became his fairy godfather. I didn't meet him until I think he was 18 or 19. And she said, what do I do? do?" And she and her husband were wonderful parents to this child, but they wanted to be sure he had a good life. I said, "Is he loved theater and he loved dolls. I said, send him to theater camp.
0: And were they right? He did turn out to be gay.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. Ace is amazing, isn't it? Parents always know, don't they? Yeah, yeah.
1: And and I said, he'll find his people in theater camp. And he did. Um, He's an actor. And I met him when he was 18. We're still friends. And I loved having that role from afar. And that was because I had a conversation with a woman on a plane, and decided that I would tell her
0: I the love, truth. I love this. So normally, I sort of in the interview, I say we've got any advice to young people. But actually, I think it's more interesting to say: Would you have any advice to any other parents of eight-year-olds or even younger, and they're thinking, "I've got a gay childhood"?
1: Yeah, I, my advice to parents who think their child might be gay is find a place where your kid can meet other people like himself or herself, mm. or a gender non-conforming kid, mm. um, so that they don't feel alone in the world. That's the most important thing. And also, if your kid comes out to you and you're surprised, pretend not to be, because (laughs) your child will always remember that moment, always. It's one of those moments you don't forget. So just say what you need to say, which is, I love you, you're my child, I want you to be happy. And then if you're upset, go into your bedroom and cry, and go research everything you can find out about being gay, but do not share your doubts and concerns with your child in that moment. Do not.
0: Thank you to Eric for talking to us outside the Stonewall Inn there. His book, Making Gay History, is still available. Please do subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter. You can find us there at Come Out Stories. I'm Emma Goldswell, and Coming Out Stories is a What Goes On media production. Next time round, you'll hear from Nadia. She had a very religious upbringing with a Christian mum and a Muslim dad, but she eventually came out to her mum two years ago as bisexual. What happened was my mum was in hospital. I just felt that, gosh, you know, if anything was to happen to my mum and she never knew the person that I truly was, that would be heartbreaking for me. It just felt the right time to have that conversation.